So Jasmine, would you start us off by reading Jonah chapter 1, verse 11? Oh, that's a tough, a tall order there. One <laughs> verse, geez. All right. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Okay. Hmm. So <laughs> let's talk about what's the demeanor of the sailors here. I, I see this willingness, and it reminds me a little bit of Paul in Acts chapter 9. When the light comes, and he says, who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? And they have this, whatever God wants us to do, we'll do. Whatever God says, we will do. And that's really a sign of, you know, repentance. You know, whatever God says, that's what we're going to do. And to me, that's surprising. Yeah. Because it's, Jonah has said, I don't care what you say, God, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And these men are saying, whatever God says, we will do. Yeah. So I, I, I found that just, you know, fascinating. Yeah, no, that's... That's great. I, 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 yeah, I agree. Because <laughs> I'm just noting their desperation, but it right. goes along with that. You know, sometimes in desperation, you really realize, like, yeah. Lord. Well, and I saw, too, like, we see them again afraid. Mm-hmm. And their fear is driving them to their knees. Like, they're going to seek God because of their fear. Yeah. And isn't that a gracious God that we yeah. serve? Because there are a lot of people that will say, well, you know, when I didn't call upon him on health, why should I call upon him in my sickness? That doesn't seem fair. But God's like, I'll take you any condition you're in. I just want you any condition you're in. What a gracious, what a great God that it doesn't matter if we're really healthy in our prime of our lives or like Moses who's 80 and he says, no, it's the time. The call of God just to respond and he doesn't, he doesn't care that they're only doing it to save their lives Mm -hmm. because he's a God of salvation and this is what he specializes in. So I, I love that about the Lord that you know, call upon the Lord and you will be saved. Yeah. If you turn in any way to him, even like, you know what I mean? Incrementally, it's amazing how quick he is to just be like, yeah, I'll take you. Like you said. Mm -hmm. Anything else before we move on? Uh, or take today, you mean? Well, yeah. Do you guys have takeaways you want (laughs) to? Okay. Well, I was just thinking about um, the, you know, the condition of the sea there. Uh, Just the fact that the longer Jonah remained on board, the more the situation escalated. And that was something I noticed in some of the, like, even like the commentaries they were talking about. That's kind of like the picture of just sin and disobedience. The longer you hang out in that condition, the more escalated the situation becomes, the more challenging, the more difficult. And you know what I mean? That kind of a thing. And, and just, you know, you become more and more of a mess the more you mm-hmm. hang out in that, in that state. It reminded me of um, David in Psalm 32, you know, how he says, like, when I kept silent, my bones grew old, and what, what, what else? My groaning all the day long. I think I wrote it out here. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. It's like, the more you don't deal with it, the harder and harder it gets. And so, just the escalating of the sea, that's what really stood out to me in that. The, the pressing down. Yeah. I think that we see that even in Revelation, in the judgments in Revelation. Yes. You yeah. see this escalation and this intensifying, just like we see in the 10 plagues in Egypt, you mm. see this intensifying. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 I jive with that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think my takeaway was just that the sailors want to save the ship Mm. and to save each other Mm -hmm. and even to save Jonah. And Jonah didn't care about saving anybody. And boy, I mean, it's really bad when the world looks better than the church. It's a really bad thing when they're showing more love 
and more grace mm -hmm. than believers. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you see here. You yeah. know, when believers are like, look, I'm, I love and I believe in the rapture wholeheartedly, but when we're like, hey, I'm going up to Jesus and you're all, you know, gonna perish, yeah. that's such a bad attitude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we of all should so care about seeing people mm -hmm. saved. Uh, I'll never forget Braden when he was little, he'd been sharing the Lord with this little boy. And this little boy is like, I, you know, it's England. I just don't believe. I just don't believe. And I remember Braden grabbed onto him and says, but you would have to because Jesus loves you so much and has got so many good things for you. You have to. And I remember Kelsey said to him, because Kelsey was all of seven at the time, Braden, sometimes it just takes time. And Braden goes, no, he has to. And Kelsey goes, Braden, I said it just takes time. And she threw it. She threw it. She, she tried to slug him. And I was just thinking, is this what we are like sometimes as the Christians? You know? yeah. <laughs> like we're slugging each other while the one person is trying to save and the others are like, just leave them alone, you know? And it's just like, okay, that is not an image bearer. I want to be an image bearer. So of course, I had to take both my children aside because they kind of did it in front of the whole church in England. And I had to explain, you know, the right the way. Excellent way. The more excellent, excellent way. way. The way of love. Way and, of love. Uh, but I did love Braden's passion. Like, yeah, I want well, to see them saved. Yeah. And I understood Kelsey's, you know, give them time. You've shared the gospel. <laughs> now let go of him and give him time, you know. Well, there is in Corinthians that we're supposed to plead the message of reconciliation. Yeah. You know, there yeah. is a As sense of like ambassadors, yeah. like please, like to really have that urgency because that makes people think God. like, wow, is it really that big a deal? Like, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I like that. Well, and I've heard somebody say too, we should be like at the gates of hell with the last stop, keeping as many people out as we can. Very mm -hmm. good. Sweet. Okay, ready to move on? But nobody but thought we'd get that else. much out of day one, huh? Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, day two, verse 12. Cheryl, would you mind reading verse 12? He answered them, pick me up and throw me into the sea so that it will calm down for you. For I know that I'm to blame mm. for this great storm that is against you. Mm -hmm. I like that translation. I saw something similar in the NLT. It's like... I real like he's acknowledging finally like this is on me. So mm -hmm. yeah. this is not your fault. Yeah. But he's also saying, because of me, this is against you. Mm. And he put them in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. You know, Gosh, without a doubt, yeah. he put them in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And now it required a drastic, you know, something drastic. I was thinking about that. It's not like Jonah could just get out on another ship and do a U-turn and go back. True. It's like there's no other recourse now. It's like, great, now I have to be yeah. thrown into the sea. It's like, man, disobedience can can take us so far. And I was thinking about that. I think sometimes we just think like, well, I can always just hop off and move the other direction. But sometimes it takes you so far. You're like, oh my gosh, I've created this train wreck now. Mm -hmm. what, what do I do? And so it becomes a desperate situation. And the situation. way back is humiliation. <sighs> yeah. The way back is really death to self completely. I mean, yeah. which is humiliation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is my fault. Yeah. I put myself in this uh, predicament. It's like yesterday I had left a kettlebell in the middle of my office where I sometimes work out, but I hadn't worked out in months, so I don't know why I left it in the middle why of the office. <laughs> and I was barefooted and I knew I should be wearing either slippers or shoes and I kicked that thing and broke my toe. And all I had oh. to do was, it was my fault. Like everything was my <sighs> fault. It was like Braden didn't, I mean, Brian didn't touch my kettlebell. Yeah. It's like, I can't blame him. It was like, <laughs> you know, Brian, you know, I was, I was the one. It was all mm. my fault and you know, 
it's like one of those things where it's, it's all on Jonah. And like you said, I think that's so good that the way back is gonna be hard now. There's, there's no other recourse. Yeah. There's no other way to calm the sea. We've come to such a place that this is the only way out. Well, and it seems like too that Jonah, he doesn't say anything about himself in these verses, like that he's gonna save himself or salvation for himself, but he knows God in his mercy that he would save the sailors. Right. Which is interesting. This is the first time where his focus is off himself. That's, yeah. You know, I do feel too, though, that Jonah wanted suicide rather than to obey the... That's the, what Wearsby said. I was wondering what you guys yeah. thought about that. I was just like, that's interesting. Is it like he's just desperate or... I, I yeah, agreed I with Wearsby in that. Maybe I that's where I got the idea. My idea was just, I don't know, like he could have said, kill me to the sailors, but he didn't say that. He said, throw me into the sea. So maybe. Because killing would make them responsible for his death. Right. But throwing them into the sea, he felt like, now my fate's to God and I'll die. Exactly. Okay. Or maybe I just thought like he's throwing himself on the mercy of God instead of the mercy of the sailors. But I think he could have said, turn the ship around and take me back. Hmm, if you turn point. the ship around and take me back. And okay, I think okay. that would have been the thing like, now I'm going to go where the Lord Turning wants me to do direction. it. I'm going to, or even, Good point. you know, drop me off and I'm going to obey the Lord. I don't mm-hmm. think he's ready for obedience yet. Mm-hmm. Because it, it talks about, um, it was from the depths of Sheol. We'll get into that next week chapter. after next. Mm-hmm. About from the depths of Sheol, I cried out to you. I think that he is still not repentant. Yeah. Well, and we see he hasn't prayed yet, so obviously yeah. he hasn't. In my mind, I was thinking he kind of turns direction, though, because now he wants to see the Well, he's the caring mariners. about them yeah. a little bit, yeah. But That's the first thing. Well, I think they're desperate. Uh-huh. Something has to be done, right. or everyone dies. Mm. And I think he's saying, and, but he does not say turn the ship around. You're right. He does not mm-hmm. say that. And that would be if, you know, like Paul said, um, you know, Paul said, um, if it, uh, to the people he said, you know, if no one escapes, we're going we're gonna to have our lives. Right. And, you know, Paul directed, and there was the salvation for everybody. Jonah's not doing that. He's like, throw me into the sea. Mm-hmm. He's not telling them, turn the ship around mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Man. Or let's go point. back to where we came from. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think he's yet ready to go to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he'd rather die still. Than obey the but yeah. that's me so, and where's B? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's great. And you see too, like he is awake now, so at yeah. least he's no longer asleep, but mm-hmm. not quite ready to repent. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking, Jazz? Oh, I was thinking too. Yeah, you saw I was there was a wheel mm-hmm. turning there, right? No, I was just thinking also just about just the fact that Jonah knew if he was removed, the sea would calm down. And like yeah. wow, that's just so interesting too. Like, um, when we're in, diso- in disobedience, you know, and getting removed from the situation to calm it down. I was like, I never want to be that person or in that place where it's like, if I'm removed, everything will calm down because I've become a curse and not a blessing. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know. I, I just know I've, uh, there's, old, a, oh. there's a scripture yeah. though in Proverbs that goes right along with that. It mm-hmm. says, remove the tell bearer and the fire will cease. Yeah, yeah. And in other words, the gossip is the one who brings the division. And you remove Mm. the gossip Mm. and everyone gets along. And there's also scripture in Proverbs that says a whisper separates friends. And often there's that one person, you know, having been a pastor's wife, I hate to say this, Mm. that sometimes there will be this one couple or this one person in the church Mm -hmm. that starts getting everybody upset with each other. 
And when that person, which they inevitably will do, they'll leave the church and they'll usually take people with them, all of a sudden everybody loves each other again and everyone's getting along. Um, there is a, there's a scripture in Proverbs too that, that a gossiper smells like smoke. And uh, because in, my friend did this Bible study on it that was really amazing because she talked about, um, because the tongue... Um, is a little member, but it starts a great fire. Mm. And she said, so you smell like the smoke of the fire you started. <laughs> so this one day, the woman, this woman comes up to her and she's like, you know, what do you think about Cheryl? And, you know, such a set And my friend looks at her and she goes, do you smoke? Have you, have you been smoking? Oh how, many, how many packs do you do? And she's like, I don't smoke. She goes, really? Gosh, you smell like smoke. Are you hanging out with smokers? And the lady's like, ah. No, and she goes, can I read you a scripture? And the lady's like, yeah, she's, and so then she goes into this whole thing about gossip and smelling like smoke. And she said, do you wanna pray with me right now to repent? Because you shouldn't be asking those questions. It's so great it didn't come from me as the pastor's wife, repent. It came from this woman who was growing in Christ and realized that love is the more excellent way. And that's what she did. But often there's that person, and like you said, uh, you said Jasmine, um, we don't want to be that person. Yeah, it's such a deterrent, isn't yes. it? It's just like, oh, I, I am yeah. the problem. And you know, how many people realize I'm the problem? Right. Yeah. I'm the problem. What they yeah. think is I'm the center of attention, <laughs> you know, rather than no. You know, Jonah became the center of attention. Yes, he did. And oh that's, gosh, like yes. that's not yeah. always the best place to be. Yeah. The center yeah, of attention. Not a good way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anything else before we move on? Who knew we would get so much out of that? Show? Yeah, I know. Excellent exactly. Stuff. Just to, I, I, well, just on that, just sorry, one last quick scripture on that as far as like de- dealing with those things. I thought of like when Jesus says, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And I was like, okay, that just kind of goes along with this. Deal with it radically yourself so that it doesn't, you don't have to be removed, you know, so that it doesn't have to be more extreme. Like and, cut and it out. Going to that scripture too in, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the things about that too is going back to almost the first day, how radical sin is. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we treat sin like it's just like a slight. No big deal. Oh yeah, yeah like, oh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. And God's like, yeah. oh, if you knew the corrupting influence right. and the way that sin grows, it, uh, sin is an opportunist as we read in Genesis um, where God says to Cain, if you do well, Will you not be accepted? If not, sin is crouching at the door and it wants to have, you know, it wants to man you. And Jesus said, whoever you obey, his servant you become. I think that's John chapter eight. And again, um, Paul reiterates that same fact that if you yield yourself to sin, you become a slave to sin. And we don't realize it. And as we talked about before, the way back is so hard. So if you deal with it, and I really believe that Mm. in Matthew chapter six, when he's saying, be reconciled right away, I believe the reconciliation, he says to the brother, but it's also be reconciled, get this right, right away. So you don't get into judgment. So you don't have this, these terrible consequences. Get it right now. Mm. Um, I was telling Angie, 
Yesterday was a really bad day. It started out with the toe, and then we're getting some work done in our house, and he turned the water on too soon, and the water started like just pouring through two of the light fixtures in the kitchen. I have what? to be in the kitchen with my crutches, right? So I'm trying to grab these bowls with my crutches, right, and throw the bowls down on the ground, and then bring my dish towels out, and then I slip on my crutches, and I fall back, and I'm like, no, you know? And, and I'm just Jeez. thinking, Okay, and, Ian and Brian posted something so innocent, like let's just move forward as the body of Christ. All these people attacked us. People said, we're cursing you. And I mean, it was just like, you know, like Brian, could you just quit Instagram? That's my you know, thing. Could you, you know, look, That's Trump shouldn't have tweeted and you shouldn't do Instagram. Could we just like, and he's like, no, the way is forward in love. We have got to love and we've just got to go forward in love. And you know, if, I'm not saying that I agree. I'm just praying. Like, right. he said he wants to do right. Let's pray he does right. Yes. Let's pray. Let's, Let's pray override, him. overwhelm him with prayer for the sake of our nations, mm-hmm. for the sake of the ship, for the sake of the sailors. Let's start praying. Let's start loving. Let's start acting like Christians. And instead, it's like, Bleh. And it was just like, this is an evil day. Yeah. This is an evil day. And you know, my father said there'd be days like this. Yes, my daddy said there'd be days like this. You know, my father said that there, and it was like one of those days. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, all right, Lord, it's been a hard day. Where am I to blame? Mm -hmm. What have I done? Where's the disconnect between us? What do I need to do? And the Lord said, he said, repent and forgive every person that posted something mean towards your husband. Mm -hmm. Forgive them. Forgive them, because some of them, they just haven't read their Bible enough. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't know the way of love. And if I don't show love, how are they ever going to know the way of love, right? If I don't forgive, and I happen to be in Matthew chapter 6, obviously, you could kind of tell that by some of my comments this morning. And Matthew chapter 6 was the Lord's Prayer, and it says, if we do not forgive our our debtors, then our Father in heaven will not forgive us our debts. Mm And there's this principle here that we need to forgive. And I realized I was holding a little bit. And if I continue to hold that, it doesn't take long till that becomes bitterness. Right. And that becomes something that, and it's a grudge. And it's harder to get rid of a grudge. And so the immediate forgiveness, Lord, I want to make this right with you. And if I make it right with God, then I'm right with the world. I'm right with everybody. And I'm saving a ship. And I want to see the United States saved. I want to see a great revival. And that's going to require prayer. And it's not by marching. I'm sorry. It's by praying on our knees. And we've got a whole week to really seek the Lord and to seek the Lord on behalf. Um, I have dedicated myself to pray for Kamala Harris, Biden, and Governor Newsom every day. I'm praying for their salvation. I'm praying for godly divine wisdom. I am praying that um, if there is something wrong or a wrong agenda, God will override and um, do something amazing. You know, the cross was the worst that man could do, and it became our salvation. And if the Bible teaches us anything, it tells us that God takes even the worst evil and turns it around and uses evil against evil for the greater good. So let's be Christians. Yeah. So good. Well, 
And that revival that takes place has to start in our hearts. And so having that heart for repentance personally, it affects everyone around us. And, you know, I felt like I was getting all these storms. I mean, mm -hmm. seriously, water's and coming you, through my lights. I mean, you know, you I'm in a storm. That's not your fault. Yeah. All of that, that's not your fault. That's my fault. But to, like, yeah. internalize it and look, it's like Habakkuk when he said, I'm going to yes. stand on my watch and wait to see how you're going to correct me and be willing to be corrected and having that humble, mm -hmm. repentant heart willing to be corrected. Which we don't see with Jonah. Exactly. And so what happens? Yeah. The, the sailors are in jeopardy, and the only solution is throw, throw them over. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Yeah. Get rid of them. And we don't want, we mm -hmm. don't want that to be the only solution mm -hmm. to get rid of us. Yeah. You know? Okay. You guys ready for verse 13? Day three. <laughs> verse know, 13. Right? Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Okay, so this is kind of interesting. The sailors ignore Jonah's recommendation to toss him overboard. And why do you think they did that? Well, I think they didn't want to be guilty before Jonah's God. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's They're realizing God. This, God. this God's real, mm -hmm. and we don't want mm -hmm. to throw his prophet overboard. I mean, that does not seem the solution to them to throw the prophet overboard. They just need the prophet to pray right. to his God. But you, again, like you said, he's not praying to his God. Mm -hmm. He's not giving, like, turn the ship around. Mm -hmm. He's not helping with the salvation at all. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I was reading Matthew Henry, and he pointed out that back in Israel, they were, during this time, they're like executing their prophets. And yet here's these sailors that are not willing to do that because of fear of God. I was like, wow. I mean, really, it shows just how little Israel feared God and, and was just so like, I don't know. I don't know if it's familiarity yeah. with at God. This, it's like, at eh, this who kills point prophets? In Jeroboam's reign, they weren't killing prophets. Which is generally been, Israel yeah. over time. Yeah, 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 yeah that I mean, had been yeah. earlier, right. Yeah, but I mean. Interestingly, pagans normally had um, human sacrifice as part of their rituals. Mm -hmm. So that would have been like a normal thing to appease the God is human sacrifice. And so for them not to have human sacrifice or to not want to, they knew something of God that God does not ever require human sacrifice. Hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I put two, mm -hmm. because they're rowing against the sea and they don't yeah. want to throw Jonah in. And I put that even good endeavors can be the wrong endeavors when they are not in cooperation with God's will. Mm. And I, I, I mean, this is years of experience too. I remember um, sometimes we deliver people too soon out of a trial and they haven't gotten the lesson that they need. And we saved them when God was pressing down on them. And I have, I have done that. And you really have to pray. Or I remember, yeah, I remember praying for, um, paying for a woman to go to a uh, retreat. Because she's like, oh, I don't have any money. I really want to go to the retreat. And she came and talk about a Jonah. She complained about everything. Mm. Everything. She was such a Debbie Downer at the whole retreat. I was like, and somebody's like, who paid her way? And I was like. Oh, my gosh. And I, and I realized hmm. you really have to, you know, no wonder yeah. Proverbs says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Mm -hmm. But in all your ways, um, I'm going to say acknowledge, but talk to God about yeah. it and find yeah. out what his will is and be led in his will. So these sailors, even though they were rowing really hard and it looked like the good thing, it looked like the right thing, don't throw him overboard, get him to land and, you know, put them on the land and yes. say, now you're on your own. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. 
So when we have to work to cooperate with God's will. That's great. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. So I like that. So one of that. my um, takeaways too is I was thinking that peace in the storm comes when we stop fighting against God and we recognize that he alone is God. And it made me think of Psalm uh, 46, 10, where it says, be still and know that I am God. And in that verse, it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted among the gods. And that be still is like putting your hands down by your side. And so like stop rowing, stop fighting against the storm, let go. And that's when the peace comes. And that goes back to cooperating. Mm -hmm. Do what God wants. And, you know, sometimes in our estimation, we our see, like, yeah, our yeah. own understanding. Yeah. We see, oh, this is the right thing to do. Mm. This is the right way. It looks like the right thing. Yeah. But the right thing is always to obey God. Yeah. That's always the right thing. It's always the right choice to make is obedience to God, even when sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sure. And yielding, yielding, mm-hmm. like kind of what you were saying before, not playing the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah. I totally, when you were saying that, I was like, yep, that's true. I just do that sometimes. It's like, you need to just pray for, yeah, it's just so much better if God does it. And so. sometimes it's the little things, like what we've been talking about this morning about gossip. That seems like this recurring theme. It's stopping mm. our lips. Or if someone's speaking to us and we know that we shouldn't be listening to it, stopping it right in mm. its tracks. Mm. Yeah. So we don't smell like smoke. Yeah, what's that we smell? don't want to get that yeah. influence. That was one of like, the best illustrations I ever heard. She yeah, had a couple so of them. It'll She'd stick like, with you. Yeah. Amazing. Any other takeaways on this day three? Any thoughts? Just again, the sailor's fear of God and just the reminder, like how often, kind of like what I was saying about like, the, or what Matthew Henry said about the Israelites and how they treated the prophets sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and just the contrast there and just how as the people of God, sometimes we are more casual with God, you know what I mean? Than maybe a heathen would be who's recognizing who God is. Like, wow, he's almighty and powerful. And, and here we are like, meh, he's God, whatever, you know? And so that was just a reminder to me, like, oh, I don't want to treat just, God so casually. I just read so a fantastic book called, um, I think it's called From Jihad to Jesus. Mm. And it's about this girl who was going to be a suicide bomber for, um, she's Pakistani, mm. for her, they were asking for volunteers mm. who would do that. And she was like, I want to do everything for Allah. Mm. And her only hope of making heaven that she could be assured of it was to be a suicide bomber and to kill as many Jews and Christians as she possibly could. And she gets challenged uh, by a a Christian on just some certain things. And she gets gets saved. I mean, it's like the most amazing story. Mm. But she was saying in the book, she was saying, she actually has asylum now in the United States. And she was saying that people in the States treat church so casually. Yeah. She said, you won't find that in the Pakistani churches. It's a privilege to go to church. She said, we don't, we don't care if we die in church. If they kill us in church, hallelujah, we're going straight to heaven and we'll be with God, but we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We know we need each other. And she said, church is such a privilege. And she said, I was so taken back by the callousness of people um, in the United States towards church. She yeah. said, it really, really surprised me. Like it was a give or take, or I might sleep in, or I really don't feel like going to church. She said, we, she said, and she said, especially coming out of Islam, mm-hmm. the privilege of going to church and getting dressed and going and getting to hear the word of God with the assembly of God's mm-hmm. people. She said, is, and she said, and we don't have any guarantee that we will ever see those people again. Wow. Because, um, 
I mean, her father put a bounty on her life. There was a reward if you saw her and killed her and brought the corpse to her father, you would get money. That was her life. Mm. And she said so many of those who would come to church had a bounty on their life. And so they didn't know if they would even see each other the next week. So they appreciated each other so much. Anyway. Excellent book. Yeah. Yeah. Page turner. I heard a story very similar to that by a lady that got rescued out of um, Iran, I think, and then she came here and she asked to go back because she said that there was like this satanic lullaby over America that was putting the church to sleep and there wasn't that same like reverence of God like what you're yeah, talking about yeah. or just value of assembling together and, you know, being the church. Yeah. Do you know where the scary. it used to be that the United States had the greatest number of Christians, like per capita? Mm-hmm. You know where it is now? South America and Africa. Interesting. That they South are. Korea, they're amazing. Too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But they are superseding us in yeah. numbers as far as you know how many Christians per capita. Mm-hmm. That right now that the explosion mm-hmm. and the way that they receive and appreciate the word of God. There's less churches. There's yeah. and yet they're so. Hungry, You know, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, you know, you could call it a loss of appetite. But, you know, when you right. don't have an appetite, it's usually because you're dying. Mm-hmm. And appetite is a good sign. I have a COVID yeah. appetite. Um, but it's a good sign mm-hmm. when you're hungry. It's mm-hmm. a sign of health. Mm-hmm. And so when a church begins to lose a hunger, yeah. it's a bad sign. Yeah. And so as believers... Hunger is a good sign. That's something I always pray. I pray that for myself, and I also pray that for my kids, too, that I would have a hunger and thirst for righteousness because something like that is a spiritual thing. Like, that's something that's God-given. We naturally hunger for physical things, fleshly things. We don't naturally hunger for spiritual things. And so it's good to pray for that. And I think, too, I mean, I have to say I've lost my appetite more than once. And I have to go, what junk Mm -hmm. food am I feeding on? Mm -hmm. You know, am am I feeding on, you know, and this is not meant by a condemnation, but am I feeding on Netflix? Am I binging on The Crown, Mm -hmm. which is like the best show ever? Am I, you know, what am I I doing? And I need to make sure that I'm not spoiling my appetite, one. Two, I have to realize, you know what? Pray for it. Mm-hmm. Three, I realized that one of the things I needed to do was to read the Bible in a different translation. Uh-huh. That mm-hmm. really Mix helped whet my appetite. And then yeah. start reading. I like study Bibles. Start reading the commentaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start reading the notes in the study Bible and then read the chapter with the study notes and it will get your appetite. And then, of course, I'm, you know, I'm going to be 61 this year. And I found that uh, again, like I've, I've read through like 10 different translations. I've read the study notes. I'm like, Lord, what do I need to do to get my appetite up? And for me, I felt like the Lord told me to go to Bible college. And so I'm back in school and I'm learning all these things. And I just read this book that like the first nine pages took me an hour just to understand. And it's about the Christology of Jesus or uh, what we would call the deity of Christ. And it was something that I kind of just assumed received by faith. And now I'm seeing it in the scripture so clearly. And I want to tell everybody about it. Thank you. And so the idea, though, is that to continually do things to stimulate our appetite, Mm -hmm. which is against everything, you know, because we're always trying to lose weight. But if we were only Polynesian, we'd be trying to gain weight, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and, and I think sometimes it's okay to pray. I, my friend and I have been talking about this. Sometimes you have to pray to want to. Yes, you I do. Want to pray, yes, you I do. want to want to, you Lord, to but to I pray. can't. Yeah, and be honest. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want this, Lord, but, exactly. or I, I don't have that appetite, so help me want to want that. And mm-hmm. he, he does that. He will, yeah, he will stimulate and grow that. I was talking to a friend who said, the Lord's been answering that prayer for me, That's you great. know? And so he will, but, oh, now I okay. want to. What you know? makes you hungry? So This is one thing that I thought about one time. When I met, when I used to go to the mall, and I could smell the Cinnabons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wherever you are in the mall, oh, it's you true. can Cinnabon. smell the yep. Cinnabons, and you get Unless hungry. Unless you have COVID, then you can't smell. Yeah, it. then yeah. you then you get, and you're unhealthy. But it, that's right. But when you smell those Cinnabons, you're like, I'm so hungry. Or yes. even like we live on Harbor Boulevard, and we have to drive by In and Out every uh-huh. day oh, to yeah. go. Yeah. In and out pumps that smell. They, do. they pump that smell. It hits the freeway. It hits everywhere. And you're yeah. like, I want a hamburger. I want a hamburger. I want a hamburger. You know, it's just, yeah. and it makes you hungry. Mm-hmm. So part of it is to be around mm-hmm. good smelling food. Mm-hmm. You know, good and smelling food. We're the fragrance of Christ. That's so right. being around sisters that love Jesus, yeah. it makes us hungry to know Jesus more and be more like my him. My dad said that Jerusalem used to smell like a big barbecue. And my dad loved huh. barbecue food, you know, and there used to be a place on Bristol called Love's. Mm-hmm. And they had barbecued food, and it was like my dad's like very, 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 mm-hmm. very, very favorite place. I remember one time for Thanksgiving, he got a barbecued turkey from there, and the family was mad at him. I wasn't. I liked it. But the but he loved um, barbecue so much. And he said that every time he drove by Love's, he's like, this is what sacrifice to the Lord smells like. A pleasing aroma. And, you know, it was, but I'd be in the car with him and he'd go, do you smell that pleasing aroma? And he would do it just like that. And it made me think of the sacrifices in Jerusalem differently because I love Lucille's and uh, especially I love Wood Ranch barbecue. I love barbecue. Yes. Probably my father, it's in me. You know, yeah, I, have, I was with a friend who got a, tur- uh, a, veg- a vegan burger the other day and I was like, how can you do that? You know, no offense. Okay, let's move on to verse 14. Jasmine, do you mind reading I was hoping to make everyone hungry. Yes, hungry. <laughs> it probably works. We're all going to leave now. But yeah. we're, you know. Just wait. There, yeah, hold on just a minute. Uh, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Okay. Interesting. So now we see the sailors are praying. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on their first request, second request, and their acknowledgement concerning the Lord? I, I, I feel like they were... Uh, if they were acknowledging or recognizing some of God's attributes, which mm-hmm. was interesting. They were like they're looking, they're calling out for God's mercy. They're also aware of His righteousness and His justice, and acknowledging His um, His sovereignty. Like the NLT says for that last part, uh, you have sent this storm upon Him for your own good reasons. So it's like you're sovereign in this. So I was like, wow, they're acknowledging and recognizing a lot of things about God here. It's really kind of remarkable. That's good. So. I thought the same thing and looked up the word sovereign because I thought so many times we say that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Mm. And like there's the definition of a sovereign, like who's like a monarch or a ruler. But then there's also like sovereignty where it's unlimited power, unrestricted power, ultimate power. And that is what they're acknowledging that God has. Yeah, wow. That the name I am that I am, that the way the Jews identified God Mm-hmm. Their God being unique to every other God of the nations is their God was creator 
and their God was ruler of everything, yeah. and it was, he was sovereign. Mm -hmm. So to acknowledge that is to acknowledge who God really is. Mm -hmm. So they got it. Jonah and said, my God that I serve is creator and sovereign mm -hmm. over everything. So yes. this acknowledgement is saying, this is the true God. Mm -hmm. This is the God, this is the God. Mm -hmm. And you know, well, well, we'll talk about it on day five or six, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to go too far, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, like the contrast with what they're acknowledging right. versus Jonah and even just, again, us as the church sometimes, or as believers, I guess I should say, it's just like they're acknowledging God had a right to do what he wanted. And sometimes we don't do that. It's like, man, even as his people, I'm like thinking of myself like, Lord, what are the areas that I'm like resisting or constantly questioning you instead of acknowledging you have the right to do what you want? You've done what pleased you. And that's, that is your prerogative because yeah. you are creator God, and that ruler. One of, that was one of Jonah's problems that we yes. talked about before where he, was, he wanted a God of his own making. Yes. He wanted a God that was merciful to him, but not merciful to the pagans. Mm -hmm. And we can't do that. That's a great point. Well, he wanted a God that wouldn't ask him to go out of his comfort yeah. or yeah, ask him too, to do yeah. anything he didn't want to do. Yeah. He wanted that type of God that would go along with Jonah's program, mm -hmm. not a God that he would have to go along with his program. And how many people want God to be their genie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just make their lives comfortable, yeah. do everything that they want. And God's like, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the father here. Yeah. You're, you know, how many times, you know, little kids are trying to boss their father around and the father's <laughs> just like, um, I'm the dad. Right. I remember, you know, even as a little kid, my dad grabbing my hand in the parking lot and, you know, trying to get my hand out like I'm so big, I'm three years old, I can walk myself, you know, yeah, and he's just, yeah. he wouldn't let go. Yeah. And it was, and he was leading me. Mm -hmm. And we are to let God grab our hand and lead us, not seek to lead Amen. because Cars can't see us, you yeah. know, and there's so many obstacles. Um, I read a quote that I loved. It said, the integrity and spiritual sen sensitivity of these men would have shocked Israelite readers. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they didn't Again. believe that Gentiles could have a sensitivity towards the mm -hmm. Lord. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, they're we, even saying Yahweh. I mean, they're acknowledging yes. who he is, like you said. Well, it's the reverent name. Right. So in other words, it's not actually, when we read Lord in all capitals, what happened is the scribes took the, the name, the tetragram, even the initials, mm -hmm. out of the Bible. And they uh -huh. substituted okay. it with what they called the reverent name. Okay. So what you're yeah. reading actually is reverent name. Okay. Reverent name. So they called on the reverent name. Reverent name. Because they didn't want anyone, especially Gentiles, to say right, Yahweh. Right, right, and right. they wouldn't even say Yahweh. They would That's say true. the That's reverent true. name. Yeah. The reverent name. Um, I put... Um, in my takeaway, oh, how we vilify those who do not know. Too many are willing to let the world perish because they are not of us. Mm. You know, they're not in the church. And these men showed concern, respect for life, and presented themselves before God. They wanted to make sure they were right before God. And I think, I can't remember, maybe it was Brian, he read a quote, and it was, people are much closer to salvation than when we, we realize. Mm. And they're much more open to the gospel than they realize. Um, mm. yeah. I went to a secular college. I went to a Christian college, and then I went to a secular college. In Christian college, I was persecuted for my faith. Mm -hmm. It was crazy by some of my teachers. Like, oh, aren't you? So, you know, and by a lot of the students. I had the same experience at that school. But we won't Did talk you? about that. And, okay. then, <laughs> and then when I went to UCI, I had this, like, I had these professors that, 
you know, they're in no way. Like the things that, I had a Marxist professor. And when I said, well, I'm a Christian, and I did it, and she said to me, I want to talk to you about what you believe. I, you really astound me. I love your attitude. I love this. And we would, she, I would come in early to class, and we, she would come over and sit in the desk in front of me, and we would just chat mm. like we were friends. And she was the kind, she'd ask me all about my church, all about Jesus. Mm. I mean, I really feel like if she didn't get saved, I'd be surprised. My sixth grade teacher, who used to cuss in class, and everyone thought she was so cool at a public school because she cussed. Um, and I was just like, oh, you know. She got saved. And she asked me all about the gospel, and she ended up coming to the church. And I I think sometimes we just figure nobody wants to hear it. You know what? They want to hear it. They want to hear it. Tell the people the good news. They want to hear it. Even if it's their last hope, as we talked about last week, they want to hear it. Yeah. Okay, you guys ready to move on, or do you have anything? Okay, we got to move on. Verses 15 and 16. Cheryl, would you mind reading those? Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. Mm -hmm. And the sea stopped. It's raging. The men were seized by great fear of the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Incredible. Mm -hmm. I think about Mm -hmm. when Jesus stilled the the storm and it said, Mm -hmm. and there was a great calm. I mean, one minute everything's raging. You think you're going to die. And the next minute you're like, oh, we could go water skiing. You know, it's so so placid. This wasn't just like, well, maybe that was God. It's like, whoa. Just one really quick story. Brian's first first day of work here, and Mm -hmm. so we're talking um, like uh, 39 years ago. His first day of work, they call him up to the front office, and they said, you know, this guy wants to talk to you. And so Brian takes him outside and says, you know, hi, what's your name? He goes, "Um, you don't recognize me? And Brian goes, "Um, no, should I? He goes, (laughs) I'm Michael. And Brian goes, well, hello, Michael. No, no, Michael the Archangel. And Brian's like, oh, his first appointment was with Michael the Archangel. So he takes them out, and they're just sitting outside um, over on the, um, the wrought iron at the edge of the property. And the guy says, um, I know you don't believe me. And uh, Brian goes, yeah, no, I, I really don't. I'm so sorry. I, I really don't. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to still the wind right now. I'll, I'll stop the wind. It was kind of a windy day. And he goes, stop. And he said, Brian said, there's like just this slight lull. And then it's, you know, powerful. And he goes, did you see that? Did you feel that? And Brian goes, there was a slight lull, but you didn't, your power doesn't last very long, does it? But anyway, sorry. I just oh had to tell gosh. that story. Because he comes home and he goes, I had an appointment with Michael the Archangel today. But then I met some police officers, and they said, yeah, we, we, we picked up we the Holy people. Spirit from Calvary Chapel one time, and oh, really? the guy in the backseat told us we were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Oh, so, dear. Anyway. Well, I thought it was interesting, too, that the beginning of the book, it started out with God hurling a great wind, mm. and then the sailors ended up hurling Jonah into the sea. Ooh. That's right. what stopped it. Yep. <laughs> so um, how did the sailors react to this event? I was just really struck by the fact that they... You know, they, they not only like were or sacrificed, but they took vows. Yeah. It was like, wow, there's some kind of like a commitment happening here. It's yeah. not just like, uh, and, it, and it all happened after. It wasn't like, okay, we'll sacrifice and do all these things to get God's attention. It was after they saw what he did, they responded in worship. And, and I then thought of just, that too. Like it wasn't no. a foxhole conversion. You know, you hear about those yeah, like totally. when you're in the middle well, of this storm. If you get storm. me out of this, yeah. Exactly. If you get me out of this, I'll serve you. Mm. But this was after the fact mm-hmm. that they, um, 
mm. repented and did their vows to God. Yeah. And they saw that God was also not only the God of the storm, but the God of the divine calm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I mean, we serve a God of peace who wants peace. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. we go against him, it says there's no peace to the wicked. Mm -hmm. Now, when you cooperate with God, there's this peace. And, and there is that peace when, when you're right with God. There's this incredible peace that passes understanding. And that's what they experienced, you know? And it's interesting because it came by way of fear. As they were seized with fear by what they, by the peace. Like, this is unnatural. Again, it's the peace that passes understanding. This should not happen. We've never seen a storm go away this fast. Too, that there was like fear at the beginning of this chapter. Like at the beginning, they were afraid of the storm. And then it said, then they were greatly or exceedingly afraid of the storm. And so like their fear was of the storm at first. And then now in this verse, their fear shifts and their fear isn't of the storm anymore, but it's like this awe and reverence of God Almighty. And you know, I read something interesting on that very subject of fear. And it says, it's interesting because there's one part in the, the gospels where Jesus says, um, do not fear those who can take the body and after that have no power. Uh, power. Mm -hmm. I will show you who to fear. Fear him who has the power of life and death, you know, my Father in heaven. But then he says, but don't be afraid because he counts the very hair on your head be because you know he knows you and he loves you. And I thought about like, Lord, we're supposed to fear what we're not supposed to fear. Right. And the Lord's saying, because fear is a type of worship. And if you tend to, if somebody's holding a gun, you obey them because they've got the gun and you're afraid, right? Mm -hmm. That's where they get the power, because you're afraid. And fear gives power to someone else. So we're to give that power, ascribe that power only unto the Lord. Don't be afraid of anyone but God, because it's a type of worship and it's a type of obedience. I will obey the one I fear. So now they're going to obey God, because he's their greatest fear. Yeah. So we obey God because... In God, nothing else is to be feared. We obey Him. And when we're obeying Him, there's no fear at all because He cares about us so much. Good. Well, and it's interesting too that Jonah, when he said, when he was like introducing himself basically, he said that I fear God, but that also, that was the same word for worship. I worship the God of the heavens and the sea. What were you going to say, Jasmine? Oh, no, I just... Jasmine's changing, at a loss for words. Changing track. Wow, guys, I know. <laughs> I was also thinking of the fact that, I don't know, there's just hope. Because even after Jonah's horrible witness to right. these yes. people, they still yes. responded in worship to God. And I was thinking of, because mm -hmm. um, I was reading Ezekiel 36 the other day, and, and just uh, where God says, I will sanctify my great name, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. Even though you've blown it, I'm still going to show up and get myself glory. And I was like, oh good, there, there's hope. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, you anyways, see just the fact the God Exodus can work. Too. In in yeah. gen, and sorry, Exodus, in the Exodus, you see the Exodus. But in the Exodus, you see that too, where he says, you know, the, those Israelites, they're crap, they're mean to Moses. So mean to Moses. They're mean <laughs> to Moses and they're, um, they cross the Red Sea and they still have all these, these Egyptian gods and they want yeah. to go back to Egypt. But God makes his name great, and he uses them in order to make his name great. And it's not because they're deserving, Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, which is yeah. such a good point, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. love how he does that. Yeah, one last takeaway from me was just uh, reminded me of Jesus when he was on the sea with the disciples, mm -hmm. and yeah. he calmed the storm in Mark 
um, storm in Mark chapter four. And there we see his disciples were terrified. And they're like, who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mm. And that mm. is a moment of Christology. That is a moment mm-hmm. of deity because the Israelites knew that only Yahweh mm-hmm. had the sovereignty over the sea. So Jesus is showing his deity in that because he's doing what only God has mm-hmm. done and yeah. could do. And, and the Gospels go a long way to show us again and again that Jesus is God. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be that we see it and it becomes our faith. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Did you have anything before we move on? I'm going to say it after you read, yes, because it kind of ties in a little bit with the So I'm going to read verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So I love, Guzik calls this the lifeboat fish. I'd never heard that. That was really cute. This is is Jonah's lifeboat. Okay, what were you going to say? No, this was, and this was kind of, I had it on the previous day and this, but I love this. My sister and I were talking the other day, and she just was talking about how God is such a good multitasker. And you think of all the things God is actually doing in this entire scene, because he's, he's chastening Jonah, he's yep. dealing with Jonah, he's saving the sailors, you know, showing that he's God, and now we see he's using Jonah as a picture of Jesus, you know, with like the being in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. There's so many things God is doing here. And it just is such a cool reminder to me. It's like God is working all around all the time, even in the things like when we can't see it or we're not sure what's going on, just, you know, with his timing and all of those things, the things we don't understand, we have just, it's such a good reminder to me that there's multitasking happening. There's a lot of stuff God's doing that I would never even realize he's doing. Jonah had no idea. He didn't know he was going to be a picture of Jesus and all of that. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, definitely he wasn't thinking about that, but there was all this stuff going on. Uh, behind the scenes, and it's just so encouraging that God is a multitasker that way. So mm-hmm. I just like, liked it. Like you said, lifeboat, though, that, that I know the King James or the New King James says that the Lord prepared, mm-hmm. and the CSB says appointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, we see God's sovereignty that He gets this sea creature and says, Come, come, pick up this prophet. Yeah. yeah. Like whistled for him. Your turn. Yeah. He's over <laughs> the yeah. sea creatures, even the sea creatures, but here yeah. again, even the sea creatures obey him, but his prophet mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Even the sea creatures respond mm-hmm. to his word mm-hmm. and his instruction. And um, God is able to direct this great fish. And he doesn't leave Jonah to the fate of the sea. Right. Like Jonah doesn't drown. Jonah was hoping to drown. Jonah probably mm-hmm. didn't uh, probably didn't swim because there was an opportunity where he was from and most people didn't swim. So he's going to go over into the sea and he's probably thinking, I'll drown. Mm-hmm. But God uses this fish to save and to preserve his life. And yeah. also, um, like, it, it, like I told you that song last week, a transatlantic whale, yes. that this whale actually deposits him on dry land. Uh-huh. You know, he takes him probably three days journey back to Israel and spits them up on the land. And that's like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But God uses yeah. the sea creature to do it that yeah. obeys and conforms to God's will. You know, the, the navigation and everything about this is incredible. And mm-hmm. I, God knew what would happen and had directed the means for Jonah's salvation. Mm-hmm. That God even, God needs to save his prophet. Because in disobedience, his prophet has put himself in jeopardy too. Mm-hmm. And God's got to save his prophet. Yeah. 
I thought too, though, it was interesting that God didn't have to use Jonah. He could have brought someone else to yeah, rescue. Yeah, like, well, this guy disobeyed. Exactly. Yeah. But he, in his relentless mercy, just kept pursuing Jonah for Jonah's good too. He wanted Jonah to have his character developed and to be changed and not stay the way he was. And I just thought he was preserved to serve. And it made me think of that verse in Ephesians where God says that he's created good works beforehand for us to walk in. Like, we're his masterpiece. He wants us to walk in good works, mm-hmm. and he has good works prepared beforehand. And he wants, he like in his mercy too, he's going to keep gently, like that verse in Isaiah where he's the shepherd that he gently leads, leads us, he's going to gently keep leading us to serve in those places he wants us to serve. And this wasn't real gentle. This one but wasn't. This, but that was because but he, was, he was ornery. And, yeah. 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 And yeah, that wasn't, you know, God knows how to deal with the the personality that he's Mm -hmm. dealing with, which is excellent. Like if you have prodigals, God knows exactly how to deal with that prodigal in the exact right way and will send the things that they need Mm -hmm. to save the prodigal. He knows. He knows our frame. He knows all of us and he knows our personality and he knows. But also again, like you were talking, the Mm multi-purposes. God knew not only that Jesus would call on this example, Mm -hmm. but that also it would be a book that would show us the relentless That's grace right. and pursuit exactly of God. There's yeah. a story yes. and how wondrous that we have this story. And the story is so, like we said, kind of overshadowed by this great fish sometimes yeah. so yeah. that you don't yeah. get the whole message. The message is not about the great fish. The exactly. great fish was simply an instrument of God. Yeah. And it's not about, can a great fish really swallow somebody? You know, And it's not like, well, there have been you know testimonies of people being swallowed. That's not the the issue. No. Yeah, the, the issue is the relentless, as you said, grace of God mm-hmm. that no, no, just like with Israel, mm-hmm. he could have destroyed Israel, even to Moses. Yes. He says, I can wipe these people out. I can, give you, people. I can give you your, a new generation, just like I did for Abraham. Moses, I can do it for you. Right. And Moses says, no, for your name's sake, that your name might be great, that your name might be glorified. Mm-hmm. God, I'll stick it out, you know, for your name's sake. Mm-hmm. And so, God, I believe, still in his grace, continues to work with Israel, is not done with Israel as we learn in Romans 11 Mm. because of his relentless grace. And Jonah becomes a type of Israel. Mm -hmm. And the belly of the fish even, you know, a a type of the the tribulation of what they've gone through over these Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. to show that God's relentless pursuit and he's not done and that in Zechariah that they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will mourn everyone as for a son mm-hmm. and these families will will mourn together mm-hmm. like why didn't look at all we put ourselves through look at all the mm-hmm. great fish we've been swallowed by because we just didn't acknowledge him mm-hmm. Isn't that, that's interesting as you're saying that, I'm just thinking like, that's the message of the Old Testament. It's like, obviously it all points to Jesus, but the message is like God's grace over and over. And it's just interesting because, you know, people that either don't read the Bible or just unsafe people isn't an argument like, well, God's the God of judgment in the Old Testament. That's not the God. And it's like, if you really read the Old Testament, it's just like patience and mercy and grace over and over and over again. That's what the message is. But Babylon and becomes is. the type of great fish. Yeah. And, you know, um, all of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. these Syria. The, yeah, yeah, they become the great fish 
because these people were set in self-destruction. Mm -hmm. These people were bringing a storm. There, you know, it says in Isaiah, uh, you know, that the Lord looked for someone to save, mm -hmm. and there was no one, so God stood in the gap. Mm -hmm. And he looked for a man who would stand in the gap. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so you see that yeah. God is looking for this. And this is why I, I believe, because the whole Old Testament is relentless pursuit of of Israel, and there are those who say, well, Jesus is the true Israel. Yes, he is. He's mm -hmm. the obedient firstborn son. Yes, he is. But he also came to save his people from right. their sins. Yeah. And I, I don't believe God's through with Israel. And I believe yeah. that God has put them back in the land for the ultimate revelation of the Messiah mm -hmm. to the world. And so I, so I think this is all part of it. In yeah. Well, and what we looked at at the beginning, too, is that the book of Jonah starts with the word and. And mm. that just says, like, the whole thing, God has a plan. Mm. And the whole entire mm -hmm. Bible is this picture of the gospel that he has a heart to save all mankind. That's his heart, that it's no great. one would perish. There's a connection. Yeah, there's a the connection. Yeah. Okay, so we are just about out of time. Did you guys have any wrap-ups of chapter one, overview, takeaways? Well, I just wanted to say one more thing about this. Again, Jonah was not left to the fate of the sea or the precarious nature of the sea or the sea creatures. Even now, God is protecting and preserving this prophet. The means of God's salvation will bring the prophet to repentance. God never lets those who are in covenant relationship with him go. And then this is relentless grace. Yeah, that's mm. so good. My takeaway was just thinking about the call that God placed on Jonah's life and how sometimes for us, the call of God or God's will might seem scary or unprecedented, which is what it was in Jonah's case, but that God wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. And that, you know, it's without faith, it's impossible to please him. So yeah. walking by faith instead of by sight. Mm -hmm. And how good it is to cooperate with God and repent from sin Yield. immediately. Yes. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah, okay, and then clarity. I just saw my notes too. I have this one Elizabeth Elliot quote. Can I read this? Um, Kathy Gilbert posted this yesterday on social media, and it's just so perfect for this. I read it. It's so good. Um, <laughs> to pray, thy will be done, I must be willing, if the answer requires it, requires it that my will be undone. I love that. Oh, so good. I love Elizabeth Elliot. She yeah. just kills you. So good. Yeah. <laughs> How do I pray now? Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Amen. So Lord, yeah, actually, Lord, we do just ask. That's so true, God, that, that we would be yielded, Lord Jesus. We don't want to be like Jonah, where we're just resisting and resisting and, and causing that much more strife and um, confusion and difficulty, Lord, but that we would yield and surrender, God, because you really do have the best and the perfect um, plan and purposes in mind, Lord Jesus. And, and part of that is just yielding to who you are and, and realizing that you are God and we are not. <laughs> and so, Lord, would you help us in those areas, Lord, where we need to just even just look in the mirror and repent, Lord, and um, just get clean. Uh, even as we were talking about earlier, Lord, keep short accounts with you. Um, so that we don't have to get into these situations, Lord. Would you just do that, Lord Jesus? Create in us a clean heart and a right spirit, Lord. And as we yield to you and, and surrender things to you, Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. 
Lord, the way that we can be that light and witness to the world that you have called us to be, Lord. Please, God, would you just uh, even send us, Lord, into the harvest, Lord, to those souls, to those people that are ready, because there are people that are searching right now. There's desperate people like these sailors looking for answers, looking for God somewhere. And Lord, we can be that, that light and that testimony to point them. So Lord, would you just uh, do these things in us? And we thank you, Lord, always that it's not by might or by power, it's by your Holy Spirit. We ask your Holy Spirit would do these things in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.